season to listen to episode 539 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. On this podcast, I am going to get Joe Newhart from Pinball Star on the show, and we are going to ask Joe point blank. He doesn't know this yet. Point blank. Where are the Guns N' Roses collector's editions? So we're going to see what he says. And I also want to know if someone orders a Guns N' Roses right now, what is the earliest they can expect they're going to get that game? I just heard a few minutes before doing this show that Stern has confirmed for my distributor friends out there that the next Stern Cornerstone game is going to be revealed next Tuesday. The information went to distributors, and here's the code name of this Cornerstone game. The code name is Ranger. It's a, is it Texas Walker Ranger game? Are we going to get that Chuck Norris game we've always wanted from Stern? But it is Codename Ranger, and it is being revealed next Tuesday. Can I get a Twippy vote for that? Can I get a Twippy vote for being correct on this one? If not, should you send your votes elsewhere? Oh no, it's Twippy season. He's doing it again. I'm also going to talk a little bit about Deep Root and the media tour they've been doing this week. I want to just discuss a couple things there. Uh, what else is going on? I pretty much have confirmation that Alien is is coming. We're waiting to see what happens on the Christopher Franchi interview. I think there's going to be a lot of great exclusive news that Franchi tells us about this project. I've reached out to the Pinball Brothers twice. I've reached out and guess what? They haven't responded. So welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast, the number one show with the largest audience that is often frequently ignored by so many of the pinball companies. So So I will say this, I did ask George Gomez if he would join the show, and you know what he said? He didn't say flat out no, he said he was going to run it by the boys. So I can't imagine what must happen when George Gomez opens up the marketing door over at Stern Pinball and says, should I do Canada's Pinball Podcast? And Sharp just looks at him and says, are you effing kidding me, George? But George, I think it would be a great chat. We had George on many, many eons ago. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the information we learned uh, with the Deep Root Media Tour that happened this week. So first and foremost, I want to recommend that if you want to get as much information as possible on Deep Root Pinball, you should listen to the two interviews that went up. They were really good interviews. And I will say this, even though the sound quality is not the best in the pinball news interview, because for some reason, it sounds like the microphone is inside someone's shirt and they're just trying to get it out of their shirt the whole time. The interview that pinball news did with Robert was great. It was two and a half hours long, but I will say this, they asked every difficult, tough question you can imagine. And if you want your questions answered, you should listen to that interview because they covered every single base and then some. So Jonathan Justin, thank you so much for doing that. There's also another great interview with Jeff Teolis on Pinball Profile that went up yesterday, which has Steve Bowden, uh, Robert, and Quinn as well. So you should also check that out. Now, I just want to give my broad strokes feelings on this. And you know, look, I've had Robert and Quinn on this show. I had Robert on a bunch of times. And my door to Canada's Pinball Podcast is always open. It's always open. It's open to every single person out there in the pinball world, the pinball manufacturers that wants to come on and have a chat about pinball and their company. And you've listened to this show. We've always been very respectful and cordial to every single guest we have. That's until Joe comes out in a few minutes and I just absolutely lambaste him for no reason, right? So the door is always open for Deep Root to come on the show. I haven't heard from them, but he knows that anytime Robert or Steve or Quinn wants to come on this show, uh, 
um, they can. So a lot of information has made its way out into the world as Raza pre-orders have opened up. I just want to give a few of my thoughts on the things that I've heard after listening to all these interviews, okay? So the first thing I felt after listening to both of these interviews is that the team over at DeepRoot is very, very excited for everyone to experience the deep root difference, right? The deep root platform, the pin bar, their innovations and how they are thinking about pinball differently. And you hear it from everybody on the team. Like we just can't wait for people to jump on our platform and experience our machine and they'll understand what we have been so passionate about all these years. And so I think everyone out there in the pinball community is like, yes, I absolutely want to jump on this new machine and experience it for myself. But then the marketer in me, after I hear their excitement, I just can't get around one glaring thing that just keeps hanging over me and hanging over the commonsensical mind that I think I do have. Here's the thing that I can't shake. If you want everybody to experience the deep root difference and you want them to see all of the hard work that went into your project and you know that people want to experience it, there is no way anybody can experience the deep root difference before the order banks for Raza close. That's the part I just can't figure out. There is no way anyone can actually experience the game by December 30th. So by the time people actually get to experience the deep root difference, they can't order this game. So that is the part that I'm just, it still just continues to make me scratch my head on. Don't you want more people to actually experience it and be able to play it and then order it and buy it? Like why close the order banks well before anyone's opportunity to play the game? So that was like the one thing where I'm like, yes, we wanna play it. Yes, we can't wait to see the difference. But man, we can't order it when we see that difference. All we can do is go off of not very much, right? A few videos and a stream. So is that going to be enough to drive people to buy? Now we know that the game is now limited to 300. There's a limited ordering window. So they're really pulling two levers here to get people to feel that FOMO. And look, and look to play somewhat of a devil's advocate. I mean, FOMO works in this hobby, right? We see it time and time again. You put you put a limited number on a topper, you're going to sell out. You put a limited number on a game, and if the game is something people want, it sells out pretty quickly. So will this work? Will pulling two of those FOMO levers at the same time in which you're limiting the order window and you're limiting the number of Razas, will that be enough to entice people? Now, I'm on the forum, and I do see people are ordering the game. I'm not sure how many orders they've received, but that is the approach they're taking. Now, I do want to remind people when it comes to ordering Raza and buying Raza, I did say on my show that I would buy Raza Extra Edition. I would buy game number one. And people love to call Canada a hypocrite. They love to call Canada a liar. Now, my offer still stands. I will buy the first extra edition of Raza that makes it off of the assembly line. And I mean that. So if the team over there wants to put game number one aside or, or, or you know, it could be any of the initial batch aside. And I will have cash on the glass for them the moment that happens. Now, what I won't do, though, what I won't do, and partially because I've already committed to a Guns N' Roses CE, I've got a baby on the way. What I won't do is I won't pay for the spot to get game number one. You know, I'm not gonna buy a spot online. I wanna buy the actual game. So the moment that game is in a box, Robert and team over at Deep Root, 
I will buy that first game. So I'm not going against my word that I will go in on the Deep Root platform the day it becomes available and is real and in a box, okay? So I just want to clarify that. Now, the other part I kept thinking about, you know, as I was listening to the interviews and as I was going through the website again, this hobby has changed a lot over the years. But one thing has remained constant, the finish line, right? The finish line, the moment in which you can take credit, the moment in which you can pop champagne. It's not the moment your game goes on sale or the moment the order banks open. It's the moment your game ships. Right? Any sales team, any salesman can sell you something, but it takes an army of highly skilled workers to make you something and ship you a pinball machine. And that is the moment in which you do your victory lap. While I know this was a great milestone for them to get to this point where they open the order banks and, they, and they're revealing all the stuff and they're showing you all the behind the scenes of, of the company, I still think that the victory laps in pinball, and this is not just for Deep Root, it's for everybody out there. The moment you do your victory lap, the moment you can congratulate yourself on your accomplishment, it isn't the moment sales open. It's the moment games ship. And that is why we're seeing more and more in pinball. We're seeing more and more companies combine those two things, right? The day the game goes up for sale is also the same day the game ships, right? We saw that with Jersey Jack and Guns N' Roses. We saw that with Stranger Things and Stern. And so that window continues to get condensed. But for the most part, the moment you should really congratulate yourself and the victory lap moment is when your manufacturing is turned on and games are going into boxes and shipping to customers. That's the moment you can really pop that champagne and say, we did it, we did it, right? Now, I'm not saying Deep Root doesn't have that ready to go and it's not just around the corner, right? Time's going to tell whether or not that comes true. They've told us in the interviews that it's four to six weeks after orders close is when we should start to see the first games go out, right? And that is true, like within the industry. We normally see that as the time between a game being revealed and a game shipping. Now, some companies can do it quicker, but that's the standard in the industry. So let's say that if order banks close on December 30th, we should start to see some Raza's trickling out at the beginning of March. If Deep Root delivers on that, that will be the moment people say, yes, they did it and are doing it. That is the moment in which they will have peak confidence that they can do it, right? Once you see people unboxing the games, that is when everyone's gonna be like, okay, it's real. Like, But here's the thing that goes back to my initial point. When that moment happens, when people are, are unboxing their Razas and enjoying their Razas, you can't order one. So I am curious to see if maybe the third edition of the game opens up when that moment happens. So right now we've got only 300 of these LEs and then the arcade edition. I find it hard to believe that after all these years of hard work, if the manufacturing line is turned on and all these games are pumping out and interest peaks, right? Because people see the unboxings that they're not gonna do another run. I, I would assume you'd have to, right? Don't you wanna sell as many of these games as you can? So maybe they'll turn more arcade editions on uh, because really it's only the extra edition that is limited. The other thing as I look at all this through the lens of a marketer is I've seen this industry evolve so much over the years. The take our word for it approach worked years ago. Remember, people could just rock up to the show with a translate and get $16,000 checks in their pocket. Will it work today? I see orders happening, so some are willing to take the leap. Will the brave be rewarded with an ultra rare J-pop game that will be super limited and soar in value? 
That would be a sweet goal for the Deep Root team to achieve, right? Get those early adopters the games on time and tell all the doubters, we told you so, right? That's They will be able to do that, to beat their chest and say, see, we told you so, we told you we were gonna deliver, and now these early adopters have this exclusive rare game and you all should have had faith in us. Or will the story unfold differently, right? Will this drag out longer than anticipated? Will pre-order customers feel more like investors in a startup and less like purchasers of a product? Time will tell. And I think to me, that's the ultimate thing with all this. I am not here to speculate and doom and gloom anybody. And I think ultimately that's the takeaway is all of this will just come down to what we see over the next few months. You know, during the interviews too, I also would hear the phrase, the negative media, the negative pinball media. And sometimes I think they're talking about me. They didn't say me, but I'll, I'll just assume when people are upset with pinball media, usually, usually the vitriol lands on my desk. And I just want to say this for the record, for everybody listening to this show, for everyone over at Team Deep Root, for everyone in the pinball industry, I am 1000% in support of every single pinball company getting their games to market. This is a pinball podcast in which I want to evaluate the products. I don't necessarily want to evaluate the journey. I don't care where your money comes from. I don't care who your investors are. I don't care who your customers are or how you find them. What I care about are pinball machines and I get excited about pinball machines. So I 1000% and in support of Deep Root fulfilling on all of this, right? I am not here to be negative about this company. I hope five months from now, we see all of these great Raza unboxings. I hope people are excited for games two, three, four, and five, because we know, as they've said in the interviews, I've said it before on my show, I know they've got a lot of exciting stuff that's in the pipeline in these future titles, and they just need to get Raza out, and that is where we're at right now. But here's the other part of being part of the pinball media, and anyone who picks up a microphone and has a show about pinball and is covering new pinball companies. The moment you take pre-order dollars from customers, that is the moment you cross the Rubicon. You are no longer a conceptual design startup company. You now have an obligation to the people whose money you took to deliver on the games. And as a pinball media member, all of us have an obligation now to look at companies that take money from consumers and report on how things are going, right? So if deadlines are missed or red flags pop up, we shouldn't bury that. We definitely should bring it to people's attention because it's important once you start taking money from customers that companies are held accountable for the things they say, the things they do, and most importantly, companies are held accountable for the things they don't do. And that is how we've always been on Canada's Pinball Podcast. We've applied that approach to every single company that we've covered. This isn't about Deep Root. This isn't about Stern. This isn't about Jersey Jack. This is about how anyone who's covering an industry needs to fairly cover the industry. You have to be fair. You have to be balanced. You have to call it like it is. And if companies want to tell us what we should expect from them, we have to hold them to those expectations and hold them accountable for those timelines. So what I mean by that right now is it's December 10th of 2020. As far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with Raza and I understand why people are excited by this new pinball offering. I am. 
I mean, I see cool stuff happening with the pin bar. I see cool stuff happening with the game. I've always been a fan of J-pop. I've always wanted a rare J-pop game. I mean, I owned a Magic Girl before even seeing if the thing worked. And at least we see that this Raza works. I mean, the game works. We have a working J-pop game. That is a modern day miracle, people, all right? So I understand why people are going in on it, all right? And as far as I'm concerned, once December 30th is up, then it's just a wait and see period, right? We're not going to cover Deep Root every day, every week. Right now, it's like, let them do their job now. They know that. And Robert knows this and the team knows this. And I heard this in the interviews. They now know they have an obligation to fulfill these consumer orders and they're going to be nose down doing it. Now's the time to get it done. Now's where the rubber meets the road. You know, and if, and if I could give them any advice, it's just go do it. It's go do it. We look forward to then over the next few months to see the progress of Deep Root Pinball. And I will happily report any progress they have as they get these games in the boxes. Uh, it's canadapinball at gmail.com. And as I said, my, my door is always open if they want to come on and talk to us about how manufacturing is going and how the line is being set up. And I just want to end before I bring Joe out by saying this. When you deliver on what you say, the news and conversation will be great. I want nothing more than anything to say in March, we have shows that are titled Deep Root Unboxings, right? That's really what I want. But there's another side to this coin, and I do have a responsibility, right? If there's any delays, bumps in the road, to cover those things. But for now, December 10th, Canada's Pinball Podcast wants to say congratulations to the Deep Root team on reaching this milestone for your company. The door is always open to discuss anything you wish. We've dropped a pin on the calendar of Raza's shipping by the end of February, early March. That's the date I'm also expecting my firstborn. So I hope that both firstborns arrive in this world right around the same time, okay? Everybody, let's bring Joe from Pinball Star out so he can answer for all the 500 people out in this world why they spent 12.5 on a game and then heard absolutely nothing from the company that took their money up until now. He doesn't know this is coming right away. I'm going to hit him with it right away. Okay, you ready for it? Let's get Joe Newhart out here now. Well, right before we get Joe out here, though, I just got some breaking news. It was in my inbox. I'm here to confirm for you right now, Pinball Brothers Alien Pinball Machine will be revealed to the world on either December 18th or December 19th. So that is what? Is that end of next week? This is crazy, people. So we're going to get Stern's next cornerstone next Tuesday. And just a few days later, Pinball Brothers is going to show you the details of Alien Pinball. Does anyone have any money left? Does anyone have any space left? Let's bring out Joe now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Newhart, my favorite distributor in the world over at Pinball Star. Joe, you've got my Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition on order. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. Good to talk to you again. I, I know it's been a while, maybe about a year since uh, since we've chatted, so let's catch up, buddy. Well, that's not true, because I chatted with you and I ordered my collector's edition. And question number one, Joe, where are the collector's editions of Guns N' Roses? They do not exist yet. They're they're going to be made. Uh, the, the word is, is that uh, they're probably going to be on the line towards the end of December, early January, and we'll probably see most of production on the CEs take place, um, you know, after the new year into January and, and February, I would think, you know, whether they're going to do all 500 in one shot, whether they'll take a little break and mix in some LEs or SEs. I don't know that. I just know that they're coming and they're coming pretty soon. I'm sure they're waiting on, you know, maybe some final special parts 
for the CEs that usually occurs, you know, with the special model from any company, if there's something unique to it, you know, sometimes if they don't have everything, then they have to, uh, you know, they have to wait for all the parts. Now, let me ask you a question, because this launch was a juggernaut launch for Jersey Jack Pinball, sold out of the 12.5 edition in, in like an hour. Did you have customers that just wanted a collector's edition and they, they got locked out because a lot of people couldn't get one. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, we did. Of course. Yeah, everybody did. I think every distributor had uh, people that we had to go back to and take their game away, which was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do as a distributor doing this, you know, 10, 12 years, um, having to take a game from somebody that, that we thought we had. So yeah, that was hard. How did that happen? I mean, how did you think thought you had a number then there they had to take some back what, what happened there I, I i think it was really just a factor that they were taking by surprise at how many ces would sell I, I think what they did which would be reasonable is they looked at past history of the number of ce editions for dialed in and pirates and wonka that sold and and probably estimated, you know, what they would sell on Guns N' Roses. And I think they were just kind of shell-shocked on day one in a good way that, you know, there was just such an incredible demand, maybe a little bit of poor planning, I don't know. Right. Yeah, it ended up just taking off more than they anticipated. And obviously nothing intentional. It was just a, a little mistake that they tried to stop as quickly as they could. But unfortunately, a lot of us, uh, people were coming, not just myself, but at every distributor left and right ordering the games. And uh, at some point in time, fortunately, I was smart enough in early afternoon, I think it was even, or late mid-afternoon, just kind of putting a, the brakes on it because, you know, I wasn't 100% sure where we were at. And, and I still ended up having to tell a good number of people that uh, we didn't have a game for them. And the only fair way to do it is you take the last people that ordered up until we got our allotment finalized and, and then we kind of went from there. So right. a difficult day. The part I'm always trying to figure out, did they ever tell each distributor, you get this many? Was there ever that? Or you, did were there assumptions being made on both sides of the I, camp? I, Chris, to be fair, I'm going to say there were assumptions made on both sides of the camp. Obviously distributors don't make up our own numbers and in the same respect there probably was a good amount of uh, assumptions on both parts i think the company was assuming that they didn't have anything necessarily to worry about and i didn't have a firm number in my hand but i also didn't have a concern that selling the games that i usually would sell would be a problem so there's not really fault with the distributors per se and and maybe not any intent or fault with jjp either but yeah, it, we both just kind of got surprised by the the crush. And, you know, should it have been handled better? Absolutely. No doubt right. about that. Did you wish you had this kind of demand for dialed in? We did. We, we sold wait, out of wait, dialed wait, in wait, the wait, first wait. hour. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Right. Mom Jeans has a huge following, Chris. You have no idea. Trust yeah, me. And, I, and I saw you just had your last dialed in available for sale. Has it sold? It's gone. It shipped on Monday. And um, no more. No more. Uh, their company is sold out, and I believe most distributors are probably sold out too. This was was just one extra left game that I had, and uh, you know we posted it out there that we had one left, and didn't take but a week to uh, to get rid of it. And we're seeing that now with Willy Wonka, right? Those are starting to sell out. I think there's only a, a few LEs or collectors editions left, and standards. The only thing that's left are collectors editions. Willy Wonka LE sold out in november i believe it was um 
you know, we kind of got word. Usually what happens is we get word with any company that, hey, we only have 30, 50 of X title left. And and usually at that point, then the, the bigger distributors that like holding stock will step up and, and we'll, we'll buy adequate numbers so we have them. With Dialed In, we didn't really get that warning. I, I think that the stock just sold very quickly at one point in time. And we got an email one day that, hey, Dial In LEs are all sold out, which was disappointing. I would have liked to have had a chance to grab a, a few extra for the holidays because we are getting asked for them. But yeah, it was just things sell out. And that's the biggest problem right now, Chris. I don't know if you're what kind of questions you'll have for you know this podcast, but you know the biggest problem right now with any distributor and any manufacturer is just having stock to sell. Right. Um, there's just not a lot out there. How many people calling you up right now asking if you have dialed in in stock? How many of those people's name is Pat Lawler? <laughs> you're You're so bold, Chris. You're so bold. Well, let's talk about let's talk about this because I hear that sales are through the roof and distributors can't keep inventory in place. I was totally wrong that COVID would crash the economy and cause distributors to have a horrible year. What's it been like? Not not at all. You know, this is very close to what occurred with the financial crisis uh, back in the last decade, and what we found then and what we're, we find now is that you know, when people, not, not that people aren't, you know, obviously people are affected, businesses are closed, businesses are down, people are worried about their jobs, all that sort of stuff. That, that's very prevalent. That's, that's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not downplaying that in any capacity. But also what happens on the flip side is people are not taking vacations, people are not spending money maybe on a huge purchase like a, a car or a house renovation or, or, or stuff like that. And, and they're also cooped up at home. That's, that's the other part of this that is different than anything else that occurred before, you know, just in, in the world or in, in the country financially is people are at home, they're sequestered and quarantined and kids are home from school and stuff. And, and we found that a lot of people want something for the home, for the family to do and enjoy and spend time together, et cetera, et cetera. So we really didn't see any kind of a downturn. Um, I would get a lot of people that would inquire about games maybe back in the spring when everything was just starting with the virus. And I was sensing a lot of hesitation on people's part that they would want to buy a game. And, you know, I had a number of people say, hey, I'm going to get back to you in two weeks. Um, our company's having a meeting. I want to see where things are going and stuff like that. And some people came back and bought the game that they were interested in. Some didn't. Uh, but then pretty much consistently over the summer and and now into the fall and winter um, games are selling on a regular basis and and what's occurred with that I don't want to say demand is stronger. I don't think we've sold more games than we would in a typical year because that's been affected by the number of reveals, probably mm-hmm. having been less than we would typically see in a normal year. And also, obviously, shows aren't occurring, so we're losing some contact with customers and people aren't seeing games in person. That a lot of times is the the impetus for them to buy a game. And then the companies, the flip side of that is the companies were shut down. You know, pretty much every company was shut down for maybe two months or so. So that also affects their production so then you get people continuing to buy at a regular pace um and then you get companies not being able to make games for a period of time and then you know some delayed reveals and stuff like that and it just pretty much has led to just about every company not really having stock of uh of older games or new games to uh right to sell i mean it's a it's a tough christmas i was talking to another distributor and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. You know, we like, I, I, 
I send more emails out. Let me put it this way, Chris. I send more emails, replies to people telling them what I don't have and that I can't can't take care of. They want an attack from Mars. They didn't want a medieval madness royal or they want a Wizard of Oz 75th anniversary. I, I, I send multiple of those emails every day to people saying sorry. You know, those are sold out and out of stock. You know, maybe there'll be some reruns into 2021. Right. But, you know, that's been the frustrating things. But sales are strong. I mean, companies are doing well and distributors are, are holding our own and challenge, challenging year otherwise. Well, and Joe, you're, you're talking about how you're communicating to your customers. I want to talk about communication because as a distributor, you have customers and they want to hear the status of their order. And so we saw this a lot with GNR. We had this amazing launch and then people ordered the game, right? Lots of LEs, lots of CEs, lots of SEs. And then communication from the company sort of went dead. How, as a distributor, do you navigate that when you have people who want to know the status and yet you've got nothing? Is it frustrating for you to have to sort of navigate that? Well, I don't, I don't think that's fair. And if you're, if you're referring to JJP exclusively, it's been weird with GNR. I've seen a lot of that commentary about the company's radio silent and, you know, they're not saying anything. And sometimes people then make stories up and say, well, they haven't, there's a webpage on Facebook that's called Jersey Jack fans, and it should be Jersey Jack haters because people are making up stories that games aren't shipping. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that they were making Guns N' Roses before the reveal. They haven't stopped and they continue to get games out every single day. Uh, in November, they did have to take a good portion of the month, uh, probably the entire month of December, I think it, or November, I think it was that they made overseas games because they need to be made with different electrical systems. And then they have to be put on a, a plane, train, or automobile and boat and uh, shipped to other countries. And sometimes countries like Australia takes them two months to get containers of games. So they'll take a little bit of their production, maybe not right out of the gate, but a short while after they reveal or start production. And they'll, they'll take care of some overseas orders and try to get those to places that are going to wait for them. And, you know, Absolutely. they still don't probably have those games. But people here think that there's no games being made and 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 that's not the case and it's kind of unfair to to kind of create stories that games aren't shipping or they're not communicating there was nothing to communicate the, right. those games were at during that point in time were being made for overseas and being shipped overseas well and sometimes that is the communication even people just want to hear that right let me ask you a question because and and for the record people Canada's Pinball Podcast has never made up a story and gotten booted off of Facebook pages, even though I, I seem to be banned by some here and there. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Joe. Do you think a pinball company should transparently tell customers how many games a week or month they can make so at least those customers know where in the line they are? I have an opinion on that, and it's probably not going to be a popular opinion. But I don't, I don't think that the companies have a duty to announce their production schedule every week to the general public. That's, that's their business. And really whose responsibility that that is to communicate with the customer base, that's the distributor. You know, it's, it's, it's our job to talk to the carrier, you know, talk to the manufacturers and then figure out what the production schedule looks like and then communicate that. Okay. Let me, let me stop you there, Joe, because I want to ask you a question that is based on that. If I knock on Pinball Star's door today, right, and mm -hmm. I say I want to order Guns N' Roses LE, what would you tell me is the time frame I should expect? 
Uh, I answer that question uh, multiple times a day. The answer uh, as of today is that what's what we know is occurring and what's been communicated with us or what questions I've asked to find out is that the CEs are doing a small run of LEs and SEs right now, which are still fulfilling day one, first hour people that ordered. So those games are, are going out and then, you know, mid-month, I believe, later in December, uh, they're going to be switching over and hopefully starting the CEs. Uh, I believe they're going to try to do the majority of the CEs together, you know, whether they'll take some breaks, like I said before, and do some SEs or LEs, I don't know that. But, you know, it's not like they're going to do 100 and then don't do another 100 for a couple months. They're going to try to get most of the SEs done, I believe. So basically what I tell people is the CEs, the collector's editions being done late December, that's probably going to take them through the whole month of January, possibly into February. And then we're probably going to see the bulk of the LEs get produced in, you know, February and beyond. Yeah, that's February until eternity, basically, because that's all that's left, right? So I guess the the thing is, you really can't give a customer any real... Can you? I can't get, no, of no, course. Right. I can't give a customer a date. Uh, I'm very forthcoming with that. And I think if you were to call JJP direct and ask them for a date, they're not going to give you a date because you don't know what's going to happen. You right. know, the, the virus situation is another variable. Things are getting worse. Are they going to start shutting factories down again? I, who knows? I will never give anybody a firm date because it's nothing I control. I right. can't give a date. Companies don't give us dates. So in that respect, I, I do think it's unfair for people really to gang up on companies and say, oh, there's been no communication. Yeah, we they owe the public that bought the product some sort of indication, and they do give that to the distributors. It's really up to the distributor to then kind of formulate exactly what I told you just now into some sort of reasonable time frame. And I, I've told a lot of people this, that I'd rather not guess a date because all I'm doing is guessing and we don't know. Well, here's the good news, right? That's the bad news might be you might not know when you're going to get it. But here's the really good news. How effing awesome is this game, Joe? I mean, have, to me, this is the moment for them. They finally made an adult theme. Eric Minier crushed it. Slash with this. Wait, what are your thoughts on the game? I think it is probably the high bar that will be set, not just for Jersey Jack, but for any pinball company going forward. And this is hard for me to say because I'm I'm very forward thinking and I, I love innovation and different things in games. But I can't foresee a title in the future from any company, I don't care who it is, that is going to have the assets the video, the inclusion of, you know, in this case, Slash, who was able to get everything that he was able to get. I mean, the fact that even Axel's doing call-outs and the rest of the band, I was amazed. Like, I would never expected Axel signing the uh, the plaque on the CE edition. Obviously, he's known to not maybe be as involved in public type stuff and, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so I was very surprised to see that Axel was involved with everything. The fact that they had, I think we were told they had 36 total concerts to choose video from uh, for each of the, yeah, um, amazing. the video, the songs and everything. They had all their actual photographic images from, you know, the, they have the bands. They have everything. They everything. There's, there's nobody they, to ask permission of. It's slashes. It, he has everything. And yeah. I think that's the, the thing we might never see again. You know, as we're about to get, I hear Led Zeppelin, by the way, Joe, might be next Tuesday. It's going to be, if it is Zeppelin, it is going to be crazy that we're going to have two juggernaut musical acts in pinball format where we can compare and contrast the two. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's it's amazing. The music pins really resonate with people because movies are one thing. You could say, Hey, I love that movie, but nobody tattooed the logo of a movie on their arm. You know, maybe some people do, but so I'm not surprised at the impact that the music games have. I think Led Zeppelin is another killer theme that whether, you know, the music lends itself really well to pinball we'll we'll see i just keep thinking about stairway to heaven multi-ball and you just like you fall asleep at the machine and just fall backwards <laughs> and then and that's what i was referring to i mean obviously great song classic song but you know how does that translate to right. to pinball do they take certain aspects of it and add it into the game well i guess we'll see if that is the title that's coming out but but i do want to get back to your question about guns and roses i i really and i'm kind of even fearful in in a respect that Guns N' Roses is possibly going to be the best total package that we'll ever see. Um, yeah. Music theme that that obviously is right in the wheelhouse of 20 to 30 to 60 year old, mostly males and, and uh, women of that era. That's right in the wheelhouse of who's buying pinball machines uh, made by JJP, which obviously everybody would love their dream theme done by JJP, you know, incredible animations, incredible artwork on all three models, just fabulous. The LE artwork on Guns N' Roses with the tour posters, I think is by far the best package of artwork on any game. It's just so unique and different. And if you take the time and actually look and read each of the posters, you know, there are different dates and different cities. And you could see that the, the artwork that was done for that poster in some way relates to that particular city. It's just, it's just very well done, the color scheme, everything. So I, I just think it's an incredible game. I think it's going to be really hard and you can pick any theme that JJP, let's say can get in the future, whether it's toy story. I don't know that the, we'll ever see something as immersive. And I haven't right. even talked about the light show, which trust me, I like TNA when it came out and, and it was unique. You know, what Scott did with TNA with the light show was really different and unique. I liked it. Was it the end all be all to the game? No, it was just that it was a great game was most interesting, but it was a nice aside that he did something really different with the light show. But then you look at guns and roses and you've got spotlights that are turning and the mood and colors of the game are different for each song that comes up. You get a song like November rain with the moody beginning and the piano and, and, and the lighting is softer and then it kicks in live and let die is just absolutely insane. Let me ask you a question about more adult themes in Jersey Jack, because I think the other thing is this is really the first Jersey Jack machine that kind of deviates a little bit away from from Jack's, you know, always family friendly approach. And do you think they're going to learn from that and start to look at some more adult themes and movies and things that aren't cartoons and Wizard of Oz and stuff like that. I'm sure that their eyes are open that, and I'm sure that we're bringing a lot of customers to the table. And I think that's probably part of what they underestimated with the demand, honestly, is that there might've been a, a, a small slice of the pie of pinball buyers that were never JJP owners, not because they didn't like what they did with their games, but that there just wasn't knocked down, dirty, hard, rocking whatever you know theme that that they want it as much as they maybe liked watching the wizard of oz if you know somebody doesn't have a family and that wasn't their purpose for it maybe they would say well i'm better off with a superhero theme or something like that uh so i think they definitely brought new people that maybe weren't jjp aficionados or aficionados uh, previously to the table um so i think I, i don't think that anything's off the table going forward you know Trust me, a couple of times, you know, playing Guns N' Roses and, 
you hear the F word here and there, it's it's a little different to right. hear that it's coming refreshing. out of the JJP machine. Yeah, it's refreshing. Oh, it's refreshing too, yeah. L- let me ask you a question because before Guns N' Roses, all we ever heard about, I mean, you couldn't stop hearing this, are they going to remake Pirates? Are they going to bring it back? Do you think this will silence that or do you think they're going to remake Pirates? Uh, I, I have no knowledge, Chris, one way or the other. Um, I, I might have asked the question and probably was told that they don't know either. Uh, it's probably going to depend, again, on production schedules of how fast and furious um, Guns N' Roses continues to sell. I think it's going to be another evergreen title for them that, mm-hmm. that people are going to continuously want. Um, you know, right. obviously there'll be another game coming after this. Can they squeeze in another run of something? Do they want to squeeze in another run? I, I, I don't have an answer to that question. Right, I, right. I know we could, I know I could sell a hundred of them day one, but right, right. you know, whether, whether that happens or not, I don't know. Let's switch gears to another company that you distribute Chicago gaming company. And we okay. heard from Christopher Franchi that he's, and he's working over there that the next title from CGC is most likely going to be revealed by the end of the year. Have you heard anything? No, we we still haven't been told anything. Obviously, we we expect that another game obviously has been in development and that we should see something soon because Monster Bash was revealed when? That was A long, November, long, October, long time October ago. 2000, 2018 or 19? Yeah, when Dracula was, was still alive. I think it was 18. Come on, Chris. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's forever. Well, and that's, that's okay. So nothing on CGC's front. I just well, got comp. Well, I, what, what do you got? What do you got? Well, I, I just, I don't, we don't have anything firm, but I, you know, if Chris, what do you got? Chris says, what Chris do you got? Says, so- what do you got? End- wait, Joe, what do you got soft? What's that? Well, you said we have nothing firm. Well, what do you got soft for me on, on CGC news? Well, you, no, I was just going to refer. If Chris says it's the end, you know, uh, going to happen at the end of the year, then that's probably a better indication than, than anybody. And, right. and of course I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Okay. So we're, we're running out of time. So we look forward to that. And I just confirmed before I brought you out here that pinball brothers is revealing alien December 18th or 19th to the world. Now, part of me is like, is it a CGC game? Is it being made in Europe? The timing of alien coming out just a few days after Stern's new machine. What do you think about alien coming back? Uh, I think it's a good thing. I think any pinball machine that didn't get its due course, which alien didn't obviously is extremely popular title. And a lot of people wanted that game where it wasn't able to you know, weren't able to get it. I think it's a good thing. And, you know, more, more pinball in, in the hobby is good. So I'm supportive of that and, and happy to see that that'll come out. Yeah. Will you be distributing it? Have you been I, contacted by the pinball I, brothers? I don't have, no, I don't know them. I don't have any plans or have had any discussions and that's not commentary one way or another, but did you carry highway games? No. Okay. All right. Well, that's fortunately, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a smart move, by the way. Good. Congratulations on, on not on not picking up highway. How is Hot Wheels been selling for you? Hot Wheels is doing really well. Um, sold definitely more than we sold of Oktoberfest and is still going strong. I, I actually sold one yesterday, so it's pretty consistent once people get a chance to play it and see it. Hot Wheels sold really well to operators. For, I can't put my finger on why, but we sold a good a very higher percentage of Hot Wheels to operators um, than we might other games. Off the top of my head, 10 operators that I know of that I'm friends with, that I sell to, that I can probably reach out to 
and asked them for their honest opinion. And every single one and just was gushing on how well the game was doing on location, uh, how reliable it was. So I'm really happy with it. When do you think their next pin will start to be on the horizon? You know, I'm not sure. We're, we're starting to have some conversations with them. Actually, we have a, a conference call tomorrow, and I'm not alluding in any way that had, that has anything to do with a new game reveal because it does not. I specifically asked that, and that's not on the radar. It's just kind of looking back and looking forward type of call with, with their distributor force you know planning into next year which is which is can you conference me into that call yeah you conference me in okay cool i'll do that for you oh man it's a big ass you got canada on the phone too (laughs) what do you got guys um but uh i the only thing i do know is that uh probably after a few weeks that hot wheels was in production i know joe balser was taking days off, you know, Joe was pretty involved with the production of Hot Wheels, you know, inspecting every game before it went out. Joe just has that level of care, you know, with any new title. I know he was putting his hands on every single game the first month or whatever that the games were shipping, make sure that the build quality was there and, you know, the line had it had it right. No different than Eric. At, you know, you see a lot of pictures from JJP of Eric on the line, right. checking the games out. Um, but I know at one point that Joe then had a little hiatus where he was working from home in peace and quiet, so to speak, to, you know, working on the design of the next game. So, um, you know, they were moving ahead with their next title back in the spring. Obviously, there's probably a year, 18-month uh, time frame that games get designed and before they're revealed and shipping and stuff like that. So I would think sometime in 2021. Um yeah. You know, AP is a smaller company and they're going to take their time and, and, and get it right between titles. Are you, are you carrying the, the punny factory? Uh, no, no, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen that. I'm, I'm okay. You know, come on, Chris. I love all pinball. You're not going to get me to say, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about it. No, anybody. no, I know. So I, no. I, we've covered off <laughs> on JJP, CGC, AP, anyone else that you cover that I, that I'm missing that you sell? Yeah, spooky. Um, well, there's nothing to sell. You sold out of Rick and Morty's. I mean, yeah, but uh, you know they're they're doing their thing. They're doing good, and people are getting their Rick and Morty's, and they're flying through their uh, their list as best they can. And it did the one commentary I could tell you on on Rick and Morty's service issues have been literally non-existent. Yeah, I was talking to Chris from Kingpin who does their tech support a couple of weeks ago, just casually, and I, I said to Chris, I said, Hey, Chris, I gotta ask. I said, I really haven't had any service issues you know you and i haven't had a talk about a customer you know having any any problems with their games and and he said no he said it's been been really quiet which is good so speaking of service issues what what was it like when you started to see guns and roses play fields pooling again were, were you just like no not again oh of course yeah you don't want to see that i just can't understand why we keep ending up back at this situation do you think it's mirko is finally taking enough lashes from the whip and and we're gonna get perfect play fields moving forward i i hope so yeah uh from what i understand chris i you know i don't know it, it was don't a give me the bad very, batch don't give me the bad batch theory don't give me the bad was, batch theory it, it was a f- bad batch you know maybe <laughs> was, there were a few games that there weren't there weren't many of them. This gets amplified, Chris. Of course it does. It You get one person on the pin side, and I'm not saying it's wrong. It's absolutely right. The game should be perfect. There should not be pooling. There should not be any play field issues. The game should work. 1,000%. These games cost way too much to have any kind of issues. But, you know, you get one person on po- pin side posting pictures, and the same pictures keep getting circulated. They go on Facebook pages, and it looks like 100 people 
have an issue when it may be two or three. Did they reach out on this one and say, hey, to all the GNR distributors, we've got a little batch that has some issues. We know about it. We're, we're handling it, you know, full steam ahead. Uh, no, not necessarily in that manner. It, it, it might have been more so inquiries from a distributor asking what's what's at play here and, and give us the comfort level we need. And, and we got that. I'm very comfortable with what I was told, additional things that were put in place to ensure that they don't occur again, that maybe weren't in place before, maybe both at Merco and both at JJP, you know, some extra checks and stuff like that. Um, so I'm very comfortable. I mean, th- all the parties care, Chris. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, this isn't something that anybody wants to happen or, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to happen or it's not like they're not spending enough money. So therefore this occurs. It's none of that. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's always great to get you on the show. For those of you out there, Joe Newhart, pinball star, your Jersey Jack distributor, your Chicago gaming distributor, your American pinball. I want to ask you one final question as a distributor. If you had the power to tell a manufacturer, it would probably be JJP. This is the dream theme you should make that I think would sell like hotcakes that hasn't been made yet. What theme would you recommend? It's funny that I've never even heard of it mentioned before. It's not like maybe the dream theme, but it's I think Lego would be a great theme possibly to be done uh i i I I sense by your silence (laughs) that you don't agree but no 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 because like lego so no so like my silence is just me processing and thinking about it because lego is humongous right lego has made interpretations of our favorite movies in in video game format and the movies have been super popular i think where you would it would be tricky is would you want just lego lego or like lego that also would feature like because they've made Lego Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, right. Batman. The IP would be difficult to throw all the stuff in it that you would that's want. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I always look for stuff that's unique and different. I thought Hot Wheels was a great a great idea. But how cool would a cabinet be that was all made out of Legos and you weigh it, you you could you can make it look that way? That would be awesome. Think about it. You get, you know, it, it, objectives of the game are t- to build certain Lego parts and earn pieces and put them together. I mean, you know, there, there's multiple things that can be done there. I, I look for the unique stuff. I think the unique stuff is interesting. I thought it was really cool when American did Houdini. I, th- I thought that was a different theme, you know, resonates not maybe not with everybody, but certainly well known. Obviously, big franchises with movies and, and bands and stuff like that. They're going to continue to get milked and, we're, and, and they're going to continue to be lesser franchises once you know obviously you got harry potter out there but you know what other big franchises of movies you know jaws gets mentioned a lot jaws is so not as big as people think i mean yeah you you go back and look at the box office i mean it's a great movie it's one of i think it's spielberg's first but it's not as big it's the same thing with goonies i thought goonies was much bigger than it actually is at the box office. Like, if you want to go off box office popularity, Despicable Me and the Minions, like, even blows away Toy Story. I didn't even realize that until I was working on a project for them. You look at the numbers, and there are a lot of much larger audienced films that are out there. Obviously, Back to the Future gets mentioned a lot. You think there's room for another Back to the Future? That would be great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is. Yeah, it's. I think that's that would be a fun theme. There's a lot of things could be done, and and maybe even with the time travel and stuff, you know, incorporate that into the rules in some manner. I, I think that would be a great thing. Even though it was done, I'm I'm not a huge fan of redoing 
things that have been done before. Oh, like Guns N' Roses? Like, no. Well, (laughs) you look at a lot of the JJP games. The Hobbit, there was a Lord of the Rings. Uh, Pirates, there was a Pirates game. I mean, I I would always gravitate to thinking something would be exciting if it was new and fresh and different. I thought Willy Wonka brought that because that's an incredible theme that hadn't been done before. And, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of this look back to the seventies and eighties. And again, it's because of the age bracket that, you know, the buying pinball public is something like jaws Uh, goonies. I don't get, Uh, I saw the movie for the first time this summer to drive in and like, I left me scratching my head. I, I can't. Uh, I got to disagree you know. with you on that. I, but you got to watch the Goonies when you were a kid. I think that's where the nostalgia lies. I think if you watch that movie as as an adult, I don't think it will have the same impact. And especially at a drive in, it's not the same as like when you were a kid, you watched the Goonies like over and over and over and over again. And you sort of, been, you know, when you're out in the neighborhood with your friends, you like you took on the role of being the Goonies. But Joe, anyway, thank you. Chris, you had a really strange childhood, bud. I did. Oh, believe me, I did. I mean, it, it must have been strange to to lead to this point now where I'm spending too much of my time talking about pinball. But Joe, thank you so much for joining the show. Have an amazing holidays and congratulations on, you know, the sales year being good for, for you and the rest of the pinball distributors. I think it's a golden era of pinball right now with so many options. And I really appreciate you coming on the show again. And and Chris, can I personally say congratulations to you and Brenda on your uh, upcoming uh Little one? You may, you may. And all of my efforts to name him Baby Canada have, have failed. So I got to figure out what to name this kid. We'll see. I, I, I know I know. Brenda has you in line. So that's oh that's God, that's yes. good. I'm glad that she's not giving you carte blanche on naming no, the it baby. Was, it, was, it was as fast of a no as it can possibly get. <laughs> yeah, no, Chris. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for uh, being a, a resource out there for a lot of people. I know a lot of times you, you hit hard with with things, but, uh, you know, I, I think you're the one guy out there and I'm sure there's, you know, maybe some others to a lesser capacity that are holding companies and people that are doing things that we're paying a lot of money for holding their feet to the fire. And sometimes it, it makes things difficult on the business side of it, but, uh, yeah, I admire what you do. I know you take a lot of arrows, but uh, I appreciate it all. Obviously, you have a ton of listeners and a bunch of twippies on your mantle to show for it. Maybe, so maybe there might be a fourth. We'll see. We'll, well see. Well, you got you, you to stop disappearing and coming back. I know. Like well, people got to stop just, threatening me every other week. Let's just say that. Yeah, I don't go for that either. That's right. That's, uh, that's not a good thing either, but right. uh, I'm glad you're back and and it's good that you know you entertain us all on our on our drives and and in the car and all that good stuff. So thanks awesome. for what you do. No, anytime, Joey. I appreciate that note. Thank you so much, brother. Okay. Christmas Day.